Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. I feel like we need to do something quite special. Ordinarily, we could sacrifice one of us, something like that, because it's 6-0. You saw it there from the technical director, who, I may point out, is wearing a wonderful fixture. Look at that, eh? I, I got it like... 15 minutes ago. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I was, was it just going I was waiting on post office. I was waiting for 40 minutes and I'm like, man, <laughs> please be now, fast. That says a lot to me about the Latvian post. How many years, how many weeks ago, I say years ago, did we actually <laughs> talk <right>. about that? <laughs> saying, well, Rays will be there first, obviously, because Paul's has got to go to America. Ryan's has <laughs> got to go to Brisbane. I mean, obviously, Brisbane, the, it's probably going to just materialize. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't. Yeah. It was like at least three months ago, to be honest. It's like, ridiculous. Yeah. It is absolutely bananas. That's, that's also... you on Brexit. That's not me. That's you on Brexit. It is me. It's well, it's all our fault, isn't it? And you, you know, <laughs> I think uh, I think the post service in Latvia is like the green screen service in my in house. Because this green screen, you watch this. My friggin' side of my head did disappears. Oh, what's going on there? <laughs> if anybody technical out there knows how the you solve that it, you just you cannot have it black you, you, you need to yet. have a different color yeah. you have right. a black background yeah. and your black headphones are morphing into it is yeah. that what it is it's just the headphone yeah. phones morphing in yeah. if, you, if you had a, if you had a plain white wall it'd be sweet yeah that's why paul lynn looks that good i mean look at paul this week right paul i feel like paul comes on with themes you know what i mean and this week he's it's a bit mysterious, a bit sinister, a bit dark. Look, <laughs> I, I might kill you and say That's the hotel lighting, buddy. Yeah, hotel lighting. Texas hotel lighting. It's casting that like air of mystery, that shadow on you, mate. You know what I mean? Just give us a double bicep there. Just fire a double bicep up. See what I mean? Mm. Hey, that's how it's done, ladies. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> then, guys, show sixty. Welcome to the fix, motherfuckers. We we very nearly took this live, didn't we, lads? Number one armistling podcast in the world. In the world, as yeah. claimed by the yeah. delusional Ryan Bowen. Actually, Ryan, <laughs> let's give some let's really give guys you want to work with. Can you claim that the fix is in fact the best? I, 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 I'm not I'm not the best fact checker in the world, but yes, I can. Nice. And I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't that. normally agree. I don't I normally believe... agree with Ryan, but I'm, I'm, I'm with him. I'm with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even if it's like, you know, sort of bullshit. No. I... Mm. <laughs> I feel like it's hard to please all the people all the time. You know, mm. I feel like it uh, is. I do, I do legit think it is, though. I do think we've got more runs on the board than anyone. It, yeah. uh, I, I, I'm not speaking from a any kind of authority on this because i literally have no idea what the people do but i know that there's a lot of channels that make mine look like tiny two of you are on here i mean what are you now look you're like what are you now you you top 10 in oz or something brian in like oh, I, I just looked at it the other day it was yeah 13th ranked 13th in australia for sports youtube channel i, I don't really mean much but i thought it was cool oh whoa wait a minute Rolly's just popped in. Come on, Rolly. But Latvia is so much smaller; it doesn't count. It doesn't what were you? What were you? Right? Le- Second. Yeah, Jeez. I couldn't. I couldn't Holy find my crap. channel because because it showed that I'm in United States or something. So I changed it back. But I look at Latvia and I look at subscriber and everything else, and I'm like, I'm second. <laughs> so you are the second the biggest sports channel in yeah. Latvia. Yeah, no one knows about it. <laughs> no one speaks English here. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Amazing. How many people in Latvia, right? 1.8 million on paper. <laughs> in Brisbane, they get more people at tournaments than that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> There's more people in Brisbane than that. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> that can do hey, we need to, we, I think we need to do a special in Brisbane and call it from the source. Mate, at <laughs> some stage, when we're COVID clear, that has to happen. Sorry, but we've got to do, you know, we've got to get out there. You've got to be in Brisbane. I feel like if we go out there and, and, and I'm at like, you know, whatever the hell I'm at now, six and a half, seven thousand subs, whatever the, the hell it is. I feel like if I went out there and did Brisbane, I'd come back probably half a million. <laughs> <laughs> if, you got, if you got Danny Tesh on the line, you would. 
Mate, I missed Danny. I'm not going to mm. lie, I missed that. Where, where, you know, there's been no sightings. There's, there's been no sightings. I'm, I'm getting married in a month's time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to see if he might turn up to my wedding. We'll see. I don't know. I haven't got an RSVP from him. I never, <laughs> I never, I never met him. I still miss him. <laughs> I miss him badly. And I feel like over time, he was moving more and more towards, you know, looking like, well, the Messiah. And I feel, you know, whenever I saw a picture, I'm like, you know, there's a lot of similarities there. You know what I mean? So, you know, it is a wedding that you have in there, Ryan. So you just bell me up and let me know if he turns the water into wine. <laughs> Anything could happen. Wait, so you sent him an RSVP and you didn't get it back yet? It's well, yeah, that. I haven't got one back for him yet either. Oh, so my I'm not gosh. sure if I'll get one. He doesn't, have, he doesn't have an address. How dare you mail? How dare you mail Danny Tesh something? You better hand deliver you know, that. Oh, I didn't. I, did, I, I had to go through the grapevine of the the very selective few people that know where, know where, know someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows where Danny is. Wait, so you actually did give it to someone to give it to him? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Oh I don't. I don't gosh. know where he lives. Now look at that. Look. In, in that in that match in that match right there, did yeah. you win that? He did. He did. They called the pin early to the buggers. That was the last time I touched his hand. We were stuck. We were, we were stuck down. We were we were going to have a two, three-minute match, and they called a, a pin that was an inch and a half above the pin line. I'll tell you what. Still undefeated, though, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he is. <laughs> That's why he does it. There he you is, never, ladies and gentlemen. You, you don't have any wins on him, Ryan? You haven't flash pinned on oh, him? I got, I, got, I got one win. It's 11-1. 11-1. I feel like uh, his his presence is is greatly missed. Yeah. He really is, Danny. Yeah. How can you call your show in presence of greatness if Danny? Yeah. Danny, he's not. No, that's a great shot. That's the best shot I've ever seen of him. Look at that look. There's even that's that him. omnipotent glow. Who, who is that with, Ryan? Who that's is that him with? Beating Frodo Hoagland. That's him beating Frodo Hoagland. Yeah, that's Frodo Hoagland, Danny. Oh my God, that's a good shot! Look at that! Look at how that aura that he has around him is even making Bart look more man. <laughs> how, how, how quick is side note? How quick is Ray at getting finding photos of the omnipotent Danny? I feel like he's underrated. That's why he's the technical director. But he can come up with stuff like that. The other week when we were talking about Troll Army, within seconds, bang. It took me a month and a half to, to get this backdrop. I, I'm, I, I'm nervous that every time I open it up, it's not going to be there. Other way. I think it looks good, though. All of you look good, apart from me, because I keep blending, my head keeps blending into my background. I need to sort it out. I get a lot of comments, actually. People sending me over saying things like, your backdrop shit, die. <laughs> Like I feel like, you know, that level of popularity that only Engin knows, you know, <laughs> absolute quality that, that Michael Todd and Ryan have dipped in and out of. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll keep working on it. Guys, been a lot going on, enormous amount going on. Mm. World, and, and get this for a live lineup, right? Since I've mastered live, get this. You heard it here first and this will be going out relatively soon. So you heard this here first. Actually, Ray. I know I should have talked to you about this on air, but uh, any chance I can book your services, son, for Thursday the 22nd, just as an exclusive to the people here who are watching. The Fix, ladies and gentlemen, brought to you by Western Survivor, the greatest and best beef jerky the world has ever seen. Yes. Yes, you can, sir. Please, sir. Because yeah. at, what will it be? 8 p.m. And a little clue in here for you guys at 8 p.m. Siblisi time which I believe will probably be something like 5 p.m. Is that going to be over here? So it'll be just after work, earlier than usual. But let me let me, let me me double-check this these facts. We can do this all fair, no problem. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, <laughs> let's get straight to the point, because we've got Levan Saganashvili coming on, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, oh, Saganashvili Q&A live. I thought it was great to get, Levan on here and get his feelings with all this conversation about, you know, if Michael beats Devon, he's then the world number one, which, you know, that's a very polarizing comment right there. No, he's not. I mean, come on. Polarizing comment, you know. 
silly, silly, silly comment. But yeah, I get so, why some people are saying it. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it'll be it'll be interesting to get Lamont's take on this whole thing and how he feels about it, what his situation is, uh, any updates from him and, and the professional arm wrestling league about when we're going to see him in, in action next and where he's at and so on. Um, yeah. But I feel like there was an enormous amount of uh, action or activity, I should say, in in Eastern Europe over the weekend. Did anybody catch the stuff that was going on in... What the fluff? We're back on the steps. Now, <laughs> this has happened to me before. I've been in this park. It's not my first rodeo. The first show we ever did, Talking the Talk. With yeah, Jack. I remember this. I remember, this. <laughs> I remember watching it. I didn't believe you for a moment. <laughs> yeah, but, well, but I don't... When it happened last time, Neil, the people weren't seeing it, though. I see it right now. Yeah, we're yeah, I'm I'm it's like we're all I'm sitting behind better. desks that are steps. Yeah, raise yeah, up I'm the top. Now, who's responsible <laughs> for putting that on? Wait, are you still seeing that? <laughs> right. Of course, right. Ray doesn't see it. Ray doesn't see it, right? I see it. I, I made oh. it happen. Okay. <laughs> so you... Ray was in the park. It's only out today, isn't it? I like that Ryan now believes me. A long, yeah. long time after this happened the first time. Uh, yeah, when I watched that talk in the talk, I was like, nah, Neil is Neil's trying to pull the wool over yeah. our eyes. Going on. You were like, Neil, Neil needs to get off the wobbly eggs. But joking <laughs> aside, here we are. Now, I technical director Ray knows how he did that. How the frig did you do that? Just quick. What? Why the park, though? Why, why did he step? I, I, I guarantee no one sees this. I guarantee this so, is just So us. nobody watching the show is going to actually okay. see that we're, at the moment we're depicted on a set of I'm parts. looking at my icon up in the corner, and it, my backdrop looks normal. I guarantee no one sees this. How does you this can't look? see it, it's totally ridiculous. Okay. Ray, can you get us back onto normal screen? Why? Because it's weirding me out a little bit. It's quite like odd. You're like, oh no, where am I? Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I'll continue. Why not? We're on top of the park steps. Okay, let's go. So I feel. Let's go. I feel like there was a lot of activity over in Eastern Europe over the weekend, and for me personally, the most interesting stuff we got to see. Mozarov tested a little bit. Now, I spoke to Engin Terzi the other day, and uh, he knows a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy. That knows a guy, and he said to me that this guy told him that the super match lefty that they had uh, was it lefty or was right. it right? Actually, it might have been right, but the right. super match that Mozarov had on the right arm, excuse me, was fake. Okay, that's what I heard. That, that was fake because of the fact that there was uh, no money in it, really. But that on the uh, Sunday when they had the open competition right arm, he was going to really go for it. and. Then I heard from a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy that he got hurt and that he was injured. And it certainly looked like that when you watch the footage back. But what it did show was the uh, left arm, he seemed to be mega, mega, really, really, really strong. Then on the right arm, depending what degree of damage he had, the arm strength is relatively unquestionable, but he can be counter top rolled. And you know, it depends on. Let's see what transpires and how much damage has been done. But it was really interesting. I've I wanted to see that for a while. You know, where's he at against some of the names, some of the faces? We'd seen him in, uh, against Zeranov once before, but that was the only real outing I'd seen of Mozarov recently, apart from the uh, Arif uh, 10 match. So, did anybody draw any conclusions from that, guys? Um, I did, You'll a, video. See it. I did a video on him. Oh, here we go. Uh, and um, this is the super match. So th this is the thing that uh, everyone was like, that doesn't yeah. look right. Because, so, so, okay, let's go. First round, they go. He loses the hand. Yashuk is very holding on, like, but his hand is lost. Mm -hmm. and, and they stay there for quite a while, you know, like 10, 15 seconds. And then you see round number two. And it's just bang, in it? Straight. And it's just bang in. Yeah. You know, they're like... Now, yeah. you wonder whether... So, I mean, there, you can see it's false, really. Look, you know, but, but at the end of the day, do you think that in this, because he's sort of going from a relaxed to a pulling state, do you think he's damaged himself during this? And that's why he ended up in such a bad way 
Or do you think he's just stretched things off a little bit? It's very difficult to say, isn't it? But I feel like it might have robbed us of the opportunity of seeing uh, where he's really at. Yeah, uh, he did. He didn't look like he let up then in that that round there that we just saw. He he, he had the wrist control, the wrist flexion in, and then just decided. Uh, uh, he he <laughs> like he pulled a week before, and then between he pulled with Vitali. So like, how fresh can you be? You know, pulling like and and week before it wasn't like easy guys there. They were really strong dudes. Yeah, but yeah. his his left has always been better. I just did a video. I haven't yet posted it, but. Uh, his left has always been and done much better than his right, but yep. his right is catching up. Um, I think his left might be like that that elite level, you know, yeah. that, you know. The right, it's it's not there yet, but, uh, yeah. Well, it was, it, it was interesting to me because, I mean, I had a lot of messages to the channel, people sending stuff on like, oh, did you see uh, Morozov pulling with Vitaly? Uh, and same, you know, just to answer those people that those send those messages over, I mean, that was to me. I, I took literally nothing from that. Literally yeah. nothing. Yeah, it was. It just, you know, didn't make any. It makes no odds. One thing or the. As far as I'm concerned, it was just rolling around on the practice table. It's the same as did I take anything from Todd Ziller and Michael Todd? Not really. You know, uh, there's nothing in there. But um, it's a guy that I'm very interested to see. It's funny, isn't it? Our Eastern Europe always seems to throw up these characters where you really want to see a arm wrestle and just see where they're at. You know, I've never heard. Morozov speak really? Does he speak English, Ray? Do you know? I don't think so. I don't think so. But uh, the, like the the guy that he was arm wrestling. Okay, who do we lose? We lost. We lost Paul, and then he came back in. I think. Okay, uh, the like guy he was arm wrestling. Sorry, guys. He, yeah, Shuk, He's uh, he won 2018-2019 Zloty Tour Super Heavyweights. Yes. Uh, in, in January, I think, or February, he beat uh, Ogujan Kochak in a super match. When when everyone thought like Kochak is a monster, you know, and let's be honest, he is. Yeah, and and very decisively. So the guy was strong. I don't know which which he got in absolute and like I I don't think they have posted the results from uh, Siberia yet. But, no, I haven't seen them anyway. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen them. But interesting competition over there. Tainoff looking very, very strong. Another solid puller. Uh, there are so many. I love the fact that so many of these guys fly under the radar over there. You know. It's very interesting, but um, as I say, want to get more of these Eastern European stars on here. If we could get, do you, does um, does more? I'm taking it more as off speaks Russian. Yes, yes. So yes. if we could get, if anybody can let us know how we can get to him, I'd love to get him on. I'd love to get Morozov on and just pick his brains, maybe do a deep inside with him, a deep inside live, something along that. What are we doing here, lads? Just <laughs> now, if anybody out there is wondering what the hell was going on there. I was for a minute as well. Yeah, thanks for that, mate. It could have been a lot worse. I don't, I don't see what's the lineup for you because for me, I'm, I'm not even. You're, I see you three. I don't yeah. see myself. Well, I, I'm, I guess uh, you were. <laughs> I'm right between Paul and Ryan, and they were both just doing a couple of hand gestures on me there. Not that kind of hand gesture, ladies and gentlemen. It's not like kind of Put that phone away. I want to take a photo of it. I want to show you, Ray. I want to show you what we're doing. Do one more time, Paul. There you go. I'll send it to you, right? Thank you very much. I can't, oh. this, this used to be a serious show. I mean, obviously, you know, we'd throw a few world-class jokes in now and again. But uh, I feel like yeah, today right. we started in a strange yeah, place. I do. Anyway, Jordan Sill. Oh, okay. Jordan Sill, another guy that's coming on the lines. And I feel like Jordan Sill is a guy that uh, never gets talked about. <clears throat> I see, I see normal grid view. It's nothing for me like this. Right. We're on the steps, right? We're on the yeah. You put us on we're the steps. On, we're on the step. On take us, however you got us on the steps, take us off the steps for a minute. For me, it's not on steps. It's on we're steps on, for me. We're on the steps. We are on definitely on the steps. Why I, can't, I, why I can't stop laughing. You guys, are, you guys are talking about Morozov, and I'm trying to contain myself from bloody laughing looking at you on the steps. <laughs> Is it on? Get us off here. It's on the steps still. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> right. I, whoa. I can't see me now when I'm off the steps. What's going on? Anyway, uh -huh. enough of this bloody yeah. rubbish. So, Jordan Sill. <laughs> How good is he? And I'm going to start with Paul Lynn. He's Give really, really good. Lynn. He's really, really, really good. 
And I mean, I know like over time people talk about him like being like, you know, highs and lows. And I think, you know, even the guys in his training camp talk about inconsistencies like that. But when he is good and trained up and healthy, he's as good as anybody at that 225 range. And I do think that it has to do a little bit with weight. I, I, I know he, he says he can, he can get down to that 205, that 198 and everything else. But I think his track record has proven that his sweetest spot is that 225 you know, or that 235 cut to 225. Yeah. Well, it was interesting that, you know, I did a number of shows uh, which spoke about the middleweight division and guys most likely in the middleweight division. There's always that sort of transition between, I feel like the middleweight division, you can easily see those guys competing like where you are, Paul, at that sort of 220 mark. Ryan's mm-hmm. done a bit of that as well. I mean, I think the, the match with Rob Vision was going to be slightly higher, just so it was comfortable for both guys. BLM, we've just seen come out and he's bigger. He's visibly yeah. bigger. We'll get into that. But right. he's visibly bigger. Now, of all of that crop that have done that, I feel like Jordan still looked the best bigger. Yeah. I don't think that there's really an argument there. And, like, that's not me saying, like, oh, okay, he can't pull it 205 or he can't pull it 195. I mean, he's done some really good things there. I just think his inconsistencies with that cut um, have really diminished <clears throat> where his level actually is. And I think when he's at that health, healthy 230 235 walk around because that's where he wants to settle i think ryan and i are more like that right around under 220 you know between 215 Mm -hmm. that's where we're naturally at and probably not going to get much bigger than whereas jordan's stature is is larger than than ryan and i's his his shoulders are broader his arms are probably longer he's he's a little bit over six two like he's got that true 225 frame like And when you look at all the rest of those guys in the United States that are there or, or North America, like you say, all right, Devin made the cut, you know, uh, Matt Mass made the cut, Marcio makes the cut. I think Jordan has the sweetest spot, you know, where he doesn't have to make that crazy drastic cut. Yeah. And his body can probably can hold about up to 245 if he wanted to. Yeah, he, he, does, he does look good there, doesn't he? Yeah. He looks, you know, he looks really solid. So the reason I raised that, there goes Rue. Nice. Fixed cat. In the mother fluffing house. There it is, classic. There's the classic cattail hard on shot for Ray as he blends into his background. And the only thing there, right in between his legs, is a massive cattail. I love it. Recreated all over the world, that one on Instagram. Anyway, back on topic. We got a lot of comments um, where Ray had said he wasn't convinced about Rob Vigin. Now, we know not two things are certain. First, look at Ray like, I didn't say that. No, I, in in what context? I'm not convinced by what. Right, here we go. Yeah. I think you. I think you said you not. He's not proven. Was the comment, and we had a lot of people sent us emails over saying, um, you know, can you raise on the next question? Why does Ray feel that he's not convinced by Rob? And I sort of felt like I could encapsulate that quite quickly, but I wanted to just throw it over to you to sort of explain to people why. Because you, I think the comment you made was that, that that sort of got a lot of, obviously a lot of the North American audience reacting, um, was I haven't seen Rob pull yet against guys who I rate as being stiff competition. And I said something along the lines of, yeah, I think there's a perception that some of the lads that he's beaten aren't as strong as they potentially are. And Jordan would be one of those lads for me, you know. Now, if you think about it, he's beaten Jordan, Storm, uh, Craig Two-Year when Craig Two-Year was was fine and healthy and firing on all cylinders. Um, just where do you rate those comp- that, that level of competition, uh, Ray? In your mind, do you see those guys not being in the same league of uh, at the same level as the top Eastern Europeans? So... To put it another way, now that we've sort of um, verbalised and COVID permitting, agreed the match with uh, Sasho and Rob uh, at the Arnold Classic, do you believe that Rob has not faced anyone of that level before at that weight class? Like, I don't know. Because, like, all those guys you just mentioned, like, they haven't really been competing with this, like, no, Zlotitor, WAF World Championship, the toughest competition with the toughest competitors that are proven world champs. Like, if you go to WAF Championship, you, you, you know, if, sorry? Todd Hutchins, he's pulled, Robin, Rob's pulled Todd a lot. Okay, he, he pulled he pulled Todd Hutchings. Todd Hutchings is, uh, yeah, and last time he lost to him, 
Am I correct? Yes. Yeah, three, three, two or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. <clears throat> but he's got a good like, record against like, against the, top. Like, it's it's not that I'm saying someone is weak or not deserving. I just don't know. We need to have those matches so we can figure. When, whenever someone says place me to, like where Rob is in 1995, I'm like I really don't know. He yeah. could be right there. That maybe the champ champ. We just don't know. And if we, I think I think it's yeah, it's it's just a perception thing because it's easy to say the exact same thing of Sasha that he hasn't gone to North America yet and proven himself. Right. It's just, it's just which team you you want. Right. I see. I see it exactly like that, Ryan. I mm. think that it's a two-way street. Um, I right. think that that both both are not tested in either environment. And I think when you start talking about like the best of Eastern Europeans, I think that it, it like it's a it's like if if Rob was going to have problems with with anything going over to Europe facing the best, it would really be establishing back into those rigid rules that we have gotten so accustomed to not dealing with in the United States. And I think the same thing, vice versa. If that match happens over here with like WAL rules or looser refereeing, I think that it favors Rob more because he's used to it. I think Rob like strength wise, like in a slow rolling power pull type situation, I really think that he can hang with those guys. But I do think that he could be susceptible to, to fast dead load starts. You know, and we would be in an instance sometimes where we might not be able to see the best of them. And then there's also that factor that, you know, what version of Rob is going to show up. Mm -hmm. I think the Sasha match is going to really fish out the best version of Rob, which is why it's so interesting to me. Because he really is that anomaly where, you know, it's really, really hard to keep him focused. But I think if we see a focused version of him, then we're, we're going to see where he's truly at. And I think you make a really good point on that one, Paul, to be honest, yeah. because yeah. there's a lot of examples, isn't there, of top-class pullers going over and sort of, I'm going to say sort of experimenting with uh, a different event for them. And you have a lot of factors then that come into yeah. the, the, the discussion. The travel, um, sleep patterns, whatever it may be, because in, in reality of things, a lot of these guys, when you do go over and, and, and do that, you... You know, we're not we're not in a situation like a professional soccer player when you're out there for a week before acclimatizing all that. Ninety percent of the time, a lot of the lads that go out there are out there maybe a day before, two days max. They'll arrive, then the next day is the weigh-in or weight cut, whatever it may be. Then they compete, and we've seen a lot of that both ways. Uh, one of the guys who I rate most highly in the world in terms of just an extraordinarily complete arm wrestler will be Yanis Amelins, and yet the first time out when Yanis went over to the WAL. Yeah. He really struggled to adapt. He then went back to the WAL for the regionals and was struggling in the event and was hung up by guys that you wouldn't necessarily expect to hang him up. And we've seen other evidence of that through his career. Justin Bishop being one. The regional where he damaged his thumb was another one. Now, you yeah. could say, OK, well, you know, the injury forced him out. Yes, the injury did force him out, but Yanis was struggling at that time. Right. And... I'm sure that some of that is not down to Yanis um, being any less of an arm wrestler at that time. It's just maybe that he's out of his comfort zone a little bit. He's had to do more traveling, more, you know, more things that have affected his body, his pattern, his normal pattern. You know, whoever right. is going, whoever is going to someone is a big is disadvantage. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, be be there a week early at least adapt, you know, but and still you will be in a disadvantage. Yeah, I've invested so much time and energy when I when I started pursuing arm wrestling. One of the first things I did was master and experience the setups of referees and the conditions of of, of the fight. That for me yeah. was hugely valuable. And so, my one experience in Poland. I felt like a fish out of water in that. I was like, "Whoa, I'm, I'm, I'm getting in trouble from the refs for the things that I don't normally get in trouble from." And yeah. It just felt different. Everything about it felt yeah. different. So, and I remember you know, I, I sent you messages. I said, "Like, practice the rules." I sent both to you, yeah. like, practice. The, right. And it's it's such an like you don't think it's a big deal. It's a huge oh deal. God, Man. Like, right. yeah. Real quick, one example, like. Like one example, we went to, I don't know, 2016, 17, we went to Norway to referee their nationals and they just had uh, WL qualifiers. Yeah. 
the first, like, the left hand, all the matches, we had almost everyone losing on fouls and everyone moving in referee's grip. And then we, we, I said, stop. I had David Sheet with me. I said, David, tell him it's WAF rules because everyone forgot. And next time mm. we went, everyone was fine. It's a huge mm. difference. Yep. Massive difference. Massive right. because. Honestly, when I watched you and Zlati, like, not to, like, make an excuse or anything for you, but I could see it written all over you. I could see it, mm. like, in your energy, that you were slowed down. You were slowed, by, mm. slowed down by the fear of fouling. It was very obvious, you know, and honestly, that's something that worries me, you know, because I rely, at times, depending on if, if I know it's a, it's a faster opponent, I rely on, on load. And yeah, if you no. can't load at all, that's, a, that's something <laughs> that we don't experience here in the United States. You shut so much down with a load. When it comes to these fast pullers. And I mean, I think the, from the United States, the only like good example of a transition person um, over there is, is Dan Mosier. And it's the style. You know, I think yeah. the guys like Dan Mosier and Craig Touye will do OK um, in that setting and will be fairly comfortable. But like my primary training partner, Paul Talbot right now, I mean, we've talked about him going over his experience in WAF. And guys, listen, Paul Talbot is the yeah. undisputed left handed 198 or 176 or 187 or whatever you want to call it because mm -hmm. he can make all those weights and he went over there at 87 i think 87 and uh he just he, he guys that i know i know that his arm and his hand is stronger than he was getting smashed by and if you ask him he literally because he paul can be like a pessimistic type guy and really negative um but he's like don't even bother going on over there those, those guys are killers don't even bother they're killers you got to be born that way, or you got to train like that since you're five. Don't bother. So that's the way <laughs> he talks about it. <laughs> well, it's funny because this is the other question I got. So this is from uh, Simon T. So, Simon, just to answer your question, mate, where he's put, and he just put, Neil, um, I listen to a, a number of the shows, love what you're doing, but want to try to understand as a newbie why you seem to have so much faith in North American arm wrestlers versus the Europeans. Um, so it's almost like the counter of what he said to Ray. But in, all, in, in order to answer that, it's pretty much encapsulated in what we've been discussing here. And I'm trying to take the factors that Ray and, and Ryan and Paul just were talking about there and literally give them due consideration. So look at the arm wrestler and how they're competing in their sort of native rule set country environment, whatever you want to describe it as. And then look at how they do when they're over there and their sort of um, frequency of, uh, of of competition at that level. And I'll give you, I'll try and give you some examples of what I mean. I did the one with with Yanis uh, one way a second ago. Other examples that I would give would be when I've seen people like, and as a new arm wrestler, you won't you won't remember Kevin Bongard, so I'll leave Kevin Bongard out of it. But for those arm wrestlers that do know who Kevin Bongard. Uh, is then he would have been a good example when he went over there and pulled in the in the Zloty Tour once and did exceptionally well beating guys like Krasimir Kostadinov and so on. And Krasi, at any time in his career, if you chart that, is a savage, exceptional arm wrestler. And Kevin went over there and, and beat him, um, you know, amongst other top-class pullers. He was really on, on fire. Other examples in the same sort of trajectory would be people like Herman Stevens. And again, Simon, if you don't know Herman, Herman Stevens has been over to Zlotty Tour. Um, I think he placed third. Third. When he was pulling, as I, I understand it, and I'm sure Herman can put in the comments uh, if I'm incorrect, but I think around that time he was pulling pretty strongly, didn't have too many injury wars, and he has been troubled by injuries in the past. Uh, then I look at Herman and his relative standing in the United States, and I'm trying to factor in those things to think, okay, so if this guy goes over there and he has more of an understanding and a familiarity with the rules, the referees, he doesn't have the travel, he doesn't have all the, the other things that he's gone through to get there, where do I believe he's capable of finishing in that set? And I'm thinking that he is banging away. He's there. Could he conceivably get a win that day? Yes, but certainly, you know, he did podium. Uh, and at his very best, um, and let's be honest, at anybody's very best at that level, you're talking about fine margins of error. If you make a mistake, if you're slightly slower than your opponent off the go, particularly with an arm wrestler like Herman, who's not necessarily uh, the fastest guy in the world, he's got to get what he needs off the start to allow him to accelerate. And I think if he gets that, he can do very well over there. And I've seen other examples, Mosier, another one, 
relatively recently, and we know that he did well over there. Um, now, I'm aware of all the arguments. I, I would endorse all the arguments about the Nemirov Cup that year not being as hard. I get it. All of those things. But nevertheless, I do believe that Dan is a tricky customer and would beat a lot of the guys anyway, yeah. just because of that. But just because he is, the way he pulls. Jeff Hale going out there and competing in the WAF. At a time when he is not familiar with the WAF, uh, almost, it's, it's like he's Antichrist. He spent the 90% of his time pulling in supermatch format and in format that's very different to that, and yet he was competitive. And to be honest, Simon, that's why I, and anybody else out there is wondering about that, that's why I would say that there, it's, not as, it's not as black and white as you might think. There are a lot of other factors that are involved there, um, and sometimes you'll find that these guys are more competitive or a little bit closer than you think, depending on how the match takes place. Um, and I think in the past there's been that that argument's got lost a little bit, and a lot of people out there would think that there's only some kind of parity that exists at the super heavyweight division. Now, just to build on that, however, one thing that I would say is that in my opinion, there are there is a much greater degree or depth of high level competitor in Europe. Yeah. That is my honest opinion. That's not taking away anything from. Uh, the North Americans, um, as I say, I rate the North Americans very highly and the very best of the North Americans can do a job in some instances, you know. But what I would say is that there is that, that sort of elite, elite level. Take the elite, elite level out of it. Take your Makarovs, take your Alan uh, Zaloyevs, take your, those guys out of it, okay? And just go a couple of tiers down, a tier down. There are more of those guys in Eastern Europe, in my opinion, than there are anywhere well, you, in the you, world. If you had the top 100 from Europe against the top 100 from North America... Crushing scores, victory, probably, but, you know, yeah. they are going to batter yeah. you. Because, yeah. the, the and, and a lot of the reason for that is the approach to strength sports culturally right. in those countries is just different. Well, here's, you know, here's an interesting perspective, like, con. con to that which and Neil you can tell me what you think but I think um, and after talking to a lot of arm wrestlers over here I think the one a potential advantage that we have with the loose rules and and the things that I don't want to say technique it's not technique it's taking advantage of the setup or the referee or the situation to gain an advantage I think that in in North America quote-unquote cheating or whatever, uh, set up manipulation, uh, we have an edge in. I really do. And the only reason I say that is because the Northeast and, and um, New York is a big stronghold for some Eastern Europeans that come over. And we get to practice with some pretty high-level dudes that make their way in and out of New York. Mm -hmm. And there are certain aspects that we have an advantage in, namely the strap. I don't know how much, yeah. like, I don't pull outside the strap. I don't see a value in it, really, because I know anybody good in the United States in a WAL setup is taking me to the strap. So I have to master those strap setups, and what can I get? And I notice a, a major laxness in the setup in the strap. So I don't think, like, you know, maybe, like, I, I think you're right, you know, like, the, the strength background, like, the, the it, it, importance of strength at a young age is higher over there. But I think our longevity over here is due to really mastering certain nuances and how the rules work here. And the inability to do that, like, in WAF rigid rules is also a disadvantage. I don't know if I'm going to something. Like, or, just to sort of build uh, on the point I was making there, um, a second ago, okay. To support what I was saying, you know, you got a lot of people who, who probably don't agree with that, and that's fair enough. Everybody's opinion varies, but what I would say is this: you often see, okay, here's an example for you: Swedish ladies, right? So, is it is it fair to say that the Swedish ladies are a superpower of female arm wrestling? I would say that it is. Okay, they have got an, a massive amount of world class talent in Sweden in the female division. Now, is that because, let's look, sort of break that down. Is that because that there is a approach to female arm wrestling, a, a perception of female arm wrestling, a cultural um, perception that has sort of fed 
ladies into the sport of arm wrestling. And I would argue very, very strongly that that is the case due to the fact that you've got uh, originally the, the whole buzz around Heidi Anderson. Okay, when Heidi was at her best and they did the old, you know, the arm wrestling from the arm wrestler from the, the solitude and, and so on and so on. And it blew up over there. She got the Swedish sports personality of the year, for Christ's sake. You know, in England, that would be David Beckham or Lewis Hamilton. Over there, it was Heidi Anderson. Now, that's ace. That's wonderful. Iron dick. I love that that happens. Right. But what that then results in is that suddenly you have this crop of other, and there's other people that influence that as well. Marlon Kleinsmith, Fiorasic, all killers, you know. And before them, the originator was Anna Peterson. But it was Heidi's explosion. That, that sort of thing around Heidi was when the Swedish ladies just went stratospheric. If you chart it back, it's post that. Now, are the Swedish women genetically different? No. Are they both? No. There's more of them. And the training in a wider circle of high-level arm wrestlers, and therefore you get, you end up with a country that is very, very strong in that sport. And I want to say that that same, that same exact situation manifests itself and presents itself all over the world in different sports, not just arm wrestling. But what you also see is that in all of these countries, where you have a pocket of excellence, some someone is doing something very, very well. You suddenly, around that 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 sort of embryo, you get a lot of really high-level competition, you know? Let's look at Yanis around where he is. Yule around Yanis, there's suddenly a collection of frigging killers. Around Engin Terzi, a collection of killers. Around Svetan Gashevsky, a collection of killers from Bulgaria. And the same situation. So the factors that are influencing that for me are culturally the approach to the sport of arm wrestling, the centers of excellence that exist within there. And in North America, that just doesn't exist. You'll find clubs. Look at Devon Larratt and the high hookers. When Devon started going there and he was training in that way and his, it was all about the club, suddenly the high hookers had a lot of top-class pullers out there. You were getting guys like Alan Ford going around and kicking the shit out of people. And the same situation manifests itself so many times. But mostly in the United States of America, you've got a few outliers a few weirdos that are genetically gifted or more dedicated than others and then you've got the guy that works all week maybe six days a week got a family arm wrestles with his buddies a few times in in russia in ukraine in kazakhstan in turkey in a lot of areas where there is a reward a financial reward and a and a, a reward around the the way that you're perceived within society it breeds people to go in and to train harder and to train differently and more professionally. And that's why you've got that depth of ability. That's my opinion yeah. on it. Neil, you, you nailed it there with the financial thing. And, and my opinion heavily sits in the fact that if you look at the financial situations for the athletes in Europe versus North America, it's very different. But I actually think in, in, a, in one respect, North America has the advantage. Uh, North America is the commercial center of the world when it comes to sports, entertainment, advertising. There's more money spent on advertising in North America than there is in Europe, just by, by, by 10x in terms of commercial side of things. So if, you, if you're the top guy in North America, you actually make more money in a commercial sense than the guys in Europe. You can look at that as Devin and Michael on YouTube, or you can look at that in terms of the amount of third-party sponsors that are willing to get on to a big level uh, for an individual. So once you make the top, top rank in, the, in North America, you have greater access money which as you said is a great motivator so our, the, the top guys in north america are going to work hard because of money the but the, the lower guys in north america who don't have access to that same commercial cream they're not going to work as hard and because there's no government support like there might be in georgia there isn't a depth to it so money and 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 motivation and culture as you said is a big thing but i think that the the structure of where the money comes in is just different um for for eastern europe one and europe results in depth and to me north america results in solid cream at the top um it was interesting what you and the one i wanted to mention uh sweden females as well as you said i've asked heidi uh, sorry i've asked uh, fear and marlon before why specifically are the females so amazing in sweden and she said it's very much because heidi got it into the schools she said 12 year old girls are often more dominant than the 12 year old boys and Getting the sport into schools, 
all these young girls got the bug of victory. And by getting into school, those girls grew up and wanted to remain in the sport for cultural reasons. They'd already fallen in love with it. So, yeah, and that was kind of Heidi's influence, as you said. But, yeah, money, I think the way money goes in the sport is really the big dictator to how much time you can dedicate to it. At the end of the day, if it's not paying you anything, you have to go to go to work. But if it's paying you something, you're going to give more time and energy to it. You're going to become a better arm wrestler. Ray, you're probably as close as anybody to this as well on the Eastern European thing. <clears throat> I mean, the earnings attached to arm wrestling or the earnings potential attached to arm wrestling is in some respects more of a difference maker, I think, isn't it? For for, for some of the Eastern, in some of the Eastern European countries, particularly the poorer ones, you know? Of course. Uh, but yeah, like uh, whatever Ryan, like all the things that Ryan said is correct, 100% mm. correct. It's like... USA is one big country. All of them speak English. You add Canada, they they still Canadians, but they speak English. Like we are different. It's very hard to advertise something here when everyone would see it and get it. So it's uh, it's a collection of countries with different incentives with different things. Uh, I I I have a question for for Paul. I heard, but I I don't know if it's true. Does your athletes for winning Olympics does government give them money or no money? No money. No. It's so, amateur. Yeah, this is this, this is the interesting thing. That I and, yeah. and I, I never knew because for us, yeah, like if we win world championship and it's uh, uh like arm wrestling, like non non uh like non Olympic sport, we'll get like I don't know, ten eleven thousand euros. Uh, like the coach has half of that, the athlete has that sum, and if you win Olympic event. You know, that's twice as much, so close right. to 20,000. But I suppose uh, the way to do Olympics, that, Ray, and is Olympics, the yeah. way to train. Yeah, and Olympics, it's 100,000 euros. If you're, you're, win. Talking about, yeah. you're talking about for the win. <laughs> for the win. Yeah, yeah. all right. That's and the, and, and the, yeah. the, big, the big difference, right, and, Australia is the, the same as you said. The big difference is if you win the Olympics as an Australian or an American, more likely to end up on the Wheaties box uh, and paid by the yes. Wheaties. Uh, yeah. Right. yeah, but but see, if that, you're, like, if you're, because if, I see gold medaling, you're you're getting sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. you're making. But money. that's that's like as like for us, like eighth place in Olympics will still get money for government. Like first of all, like all of those are people in systems, so they get paid by doing things. And I really believe most of Europe European countries do it because athletes are really like it, it's the. I think it's the non-capitalist system where it where there like if you make name for yourself that's good but if you guy who got fifth place sorry for yeah. us fifth, fifth place guy will still get you know taken yeah. care of but the, so the I, system was reflected in arm wrestling in terms of the arm war scenario what I did exactly with arm wars was that and if you chart it back if you sort of the proof of the puddings in the eating isn't it yeah, if you say to somebody you know you're successful here you build yourself a legacy here, you will get noticed and you will be on other big promotions because that's what happens. Oh, Ryan, you're making me hungry, mate. So in arm wars, yeah. I would say, right, okay, you know, we can't, we, we, we can't we do find out. Here. We, we go and grab a plate. I wish, mate. I'll tell you what, if this was Devon, he'd be, he'd be through about four by now. Yeah. But, yeah. Do we, you wouldn't be paying all of the athletes in the same way. So they wouldn't come over and every single one competing for money. But what we did say is, you know, you, we'll, we'll uh, put you up in uh, accommodation. So you get over here. Sometimes they'd compete for money. Sometimes they wouldn't. But what we guaranteed was that you would have a situation where if you make a name for yourself there, you're, you're going to boost your career enormously in the sport of arm wrestling because all eyes are on you. We'd have a situation where nine million people sometimes would tune into what we're doing on Eurosport. Massive numbers. Our record number of viewers at any one time was nine million, which I was very, very proud of in sort of 60 plus countries. We were translated into more than 50 languages. So you were getting notice. And a lot of the guys that excelled in that league have then gone on to get international recognition. The likes of Frode Hoagland, Janis Amelins, Nicholas Nanastad, uh, Andy Barker at that time. Jeff Hale. Uh, Jeff Hale, Michael Todd, yeah. Devon Larratt. All oh. started. Some guy called Devon Larratt, Canadian okay. dude. Oh, oh Canadian, okay. Yeah. Hey. Eats a lot. Hey, buddy. Yeah, got massive. Way of the side tip. Okay. He's on it. He's on it. Way of the side tip. Way of the side tip. He's getting side. I love that Devin has a bit of can, side. Tip. But can we can we talk about that at some point here? 
I can talk about whatever you like because I love that he's massive. He's massive. Okay, that's what I'm trying to get. Like, I'm trying to like, you know, somebody posted something in the discussion group, like, you know, who who, who wins, Fat Devin or Jack Mike? <laughs> like, and I don't honestly like. What is what, is Devin at an advantage because Mike's lean, and I think Mike's only like two fifty five right now. Yeah, from the winning. Yeah, well, because yeah, Mike, Mike has previously Damn. declared like Mike has experimented with being Fat Mike. And he says yeah. that Jack Mike is better than Fat Mike. So well, let's talk about right. the, 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 the white elephant in the room here, guys. Michael <laughs> Todd is not that big. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Mike's like 6'3". You know, he's only a couple of inches, inch and a half taller than me. Mike's not a massive guy. Devin's a goddamn giant. Mm-hmm. So we've never seen Fat Devin before. Like, we, we just ah. haven't. We've seen... Not not fat Devin. He's going for he's going for fat Devin at this time. Like he really is. Yeah, he and is. I, I think that I I from my own personal experience when I've I've done that on one occasion where I said no I'm in a really dirty bulk for a three month period and I just want to be as strong as I can and I think this will be it. I felt phenomenal. I I I won my Queensland state titles. I beat all of the supers and I did it easy and I was like oh man wow I feel strong but I was fat so. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. reverse there's, there's, side of that. Let's do it. You know, flip side. Yeah. I've done bulk since 2009 and some nights. <laughs> I feel like killing myself. <laughs> <laughs> and, in, and, in, and in no way strong, Ryan. In no way strong. <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, my suspicions, I was, I, was, I was initially on the mic's going to win this. He's in too good a form. But... The fatter Devin gets, the more I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to vote for Devin. You're so influenced, aren't you? You're, <laughs> you're the Every time there's a big match coming up, it's like you're on a, it's like you're on a swing, isn't it? <laughs> well, these, these guys are knife edge every day. Every day of the week, they're knife edge. This is just a new fact that we haven't yeah. seen, and I don't know. I think Fat Devin's gonna be gonna be a different beast, mate. It, I think it don't come down to fat. I think it comes down to ready. Honestly, I just think it comes down to. I think he can. The fat thing's a good distraction for the social media, uh, you know, side of things and what have you. And it's a lot more fun than cutting weight. I'll tell you that now because there's no doubt about it. It's a great way of being. It's like Kentucky. I'm in. You know what I mean? No problem. But will it make that much difference to the match? I think the real thing there is just how ready he can be, how physically strong he can be, regardless of whether he's fat, thin, or indifferent. I think there's been... When I seen Devin at his strongest, he wasn't fat, and he was really, really strong. But what he was doing is arm wrestling a massive amount. And I think his approach... You know, we spoke recently, and we got... Just so people know, this this weekend, we've got uh, Michael and Devin on lives. Saturday night, Monster Michael Todd, fan Q&A. Sunday night, we got No Limits Devin Larratt. Both men coming on to answer your questions should be great, um, and we're gonna we're gonna sort of do a little bit of a deep inside analysis on that as well. But these are the kind of things that we want to bring up in those chats and to get your take on guys. When Devon was at his very best, if you say that that time was two thousand seven, two thousand and eight, you know, um, he wasn't fat then. No, yeah. Well, uh, I, I, I talk, had... I... Oh, go 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 go. Yeah, you go, you go. Uh, you keep eating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I talked with Devon and I asked like this question. I'm like, do you really like last time they pulled the endurance was the big factor. And the bigger you get, most likely the yeah. worst your endurance going to be. And he said, and I understand. He, yes. So he was pretty weak and he was pretty sick. And the fastest way to get back would not be on a strict diet, you know, counting calories and, and drinking his protein shake and just straight. For for him, I, I, like it's two months away, a little bit six six weeks. Yeah, okay. So he will get as big as he can just to get his body fueled up, and he arm muscles a lot. So he's, I, I believe he will be strong, and I believe the weight will drop down. I think it's like refeeding right now. Like if he would have chosen like the slow approach, he wouldn't hit that. You know, get everything back. I I understand, but if he comes really fat in. I think it's a huge disadvantage. I think he still needs to eat for two weeks and then just let let his body accustom to whatever it is. You know. 
The funny thing is, he's not as heavy as we've seen him, is he? I think, I think was that what you were saying there, Paul? He's not as big as we've seen. Yeah, him. That, I mean, what what was the match uh, uh, that he two, came in at? Like two seventy-seven. Yeah, yeah. Like that two seventy-seven in a pair of. I mean, he had you know like beachcomber kecks and a, and a, and, yeah. and basically one of his super light t-shirts, and that was it. And he was two seventy-seven when he pulled Chafee. Watched him actually on the scale. Yeah. So you you, yeah. you know. We we'd just come up. To be fair, we'd just been eating. We'd literally. You were there, right? right. Yeah. We'd just been the yeah. day you nearly died in that restaurant when you went white as yeah. a ghost and buggered off. Yeah. We went back upstairs. He weighed in. and He was two seventy seven. So right. pulse pulse food. What are you going to put on then? It could have. I mean, somebody as big as him probably could fluctuate ten pounds on a meal. Yeah, there you go. So say there's ten pounds in that. Yeah, even sixty seven. I mean, that's still enormous. You know, what I think is interesting is it demonstrates uh, really, first off, we know how far Michael Todd's willing to go to win, um, whether it be in preparation or whether it be on the table that moment. And we know Devin's a warrior the same way. But when you look at the perspective of like Devin just came off of being really, really sick with the deep, deep, vein, deep vein thrombosis or whatever. And, you know, when he was explaining it, he, he, he you know, he talked about his diet and he talked about his hydration. And here we are. A couple months later, he's recovering from that, and he's got the biggest match of his life or whatever, and he's saying, screw it. <laughs> I'm going to get as big as possible. I don't care about all that. <laughs> yeah. so I think that's, I mean, it's an interesting approach. But I think like like Ray saying, the endurance thing, I mean, I, everybody who's involved in strength knows the bigger you are, normally like your gym movements and your general strength is going to be higher. Um, but me personally, when when my diet's not clean and I'm and I'm bigger and bloated and carved and everything – I might feel strong in those gym movements or those one rep movements, but I don't feel good, you know, and I don't feel good and healthy and I don't feel great when it comes to, you know, duration effort. Yeah. I'm the yeah, other it's, way. It's a, it's a, it's a, you're the other way, are you, Ryan? So, yeah. I've, I've never been lean. I just haven't. I've always, always had a decent percentage of body fat on me. Hey, you turned into a garlic for no apparent reason there. You hear it? Sorry. Yeah, I can hear the Your audio went utterly shite there. Oh, we're back. No, it's still shite. Oh. <laughs> I didn't change anything. You sound like dial, dial off and drop back in. Yeah. He's a deceptive You've been fine up to that point, but you've gone back to. We used to love Pilot Ryan, but that's more. That's less Pilot Ryan, more Wanker Dalek. <laughs> 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 Wanker Dalek's not good. Nobody likes Wanker Dalek. Right, try. I knew it. I always knew. You did it. Technical director. You, you know. Any better? No. Oh, Wanker Dalek. <laughs> What's going on? Tell us. Tell us. I came to destroy your planet. You came to destroy your planet. Mate, if you could hear yeah. yourself, that's so... Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I don't know anything. Have you pulled yeah. it? Someone's telling me that story. Like that, mate. I mean, your mother would slap you. Hang on. Let, let me unplug hey, my mic. There you go. You're in. back. What? What? You serious? As soon as yeah. you stood up, you're back again. Yeah. Jeez. You obviously conducted okay. electricity through your hairy ginger balls on your chair. <laughs> And it's cocking up your mic, sending out some kind yeah. of static radiation. Well, yeah. I don't know. Whatever it is, it, maybe Danny walked past or something. I don't know. Classic case of rusty nut audio interference. <laughs> is that a thing? But anyway, so I, w- I was in the middle of saying that I'm the opposite. That fat for me, I've always been, I've always been fat. And if I've tried to, like, sometimes people have said to me, "Dude, you'd be so much more competitive." If you just lost some fat because you'd be you'd be in a lower weight class and then you'd be you'd be just as strong, and I've tried that a few times and I'm not. It doesn't work. I am better off with the bit of fat on me and I'm much more competitive as I am. I think it depends what you're having. How how much you're depleting, doesn't it? It's so it's so much about that sweet spot, though. You know, Mm. figuring out your own body and where your sweet spot is. And I mean, you, you see all these guys that can transition up, you know, but like. Look at Devin at 225. Devin is the man. Like, and just trying to come up, you know, maybe 20, 30 more pounds, it, 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 he's got to fight so much harder. Yeah. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are an hour in to this episode of The Fix. And I think uh, 
Sure, 60 is probably in the books, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I want to, before we get off here, say a massive thank you to all my co-hosts, technical director, and the man sat there with the uh, VOA sign behind him. Is Rolly Royce. Go, on, go over and check out the voice of arm wrestling, guys. I just was reminded this week by a mate of mine who started in arm wrestling. And he's got into there and he's been checking out the voices stuff. It is the place. If you're coming into arm wrestling, that's the place. Go and check out the stuff. An absolute wealth of knowledge they've got over there on how to do exercises, how to perform those exercises, how to get yourself strong as an arm wrestler. Fundamentally, it is absolutely outstanding archive of stuff that they've built up over time uh, so get yourself over to it's in the description voice of arm wrestling get over there and check it out from lethal arms is a very sexy white up paul lynn who is got up at silly o'clock to do this show showing the commitment that that mother fluffer has and we're working for those of you who've sent me messages about they want to see paul lynn in action we are working on getting paul lynn in action in october covid permitting gonna throw him into some horrific match on some description <laughs> Last but by no means least, filling his ginger Justin Ginger Lake face, it's Ryan <laughs> Bowen in the mother fluffing house. He will also be coming over. Uh, well, we hope so because Australia's shut down, isn't it, mate? You can't travel pretty much at all. Just getting back in, yeah, getting back into the habit. So we'll check that out as well. But check out Ryan Bowen, ladies and gentlemen, 13th largest and most successful sporting channel on YouTube. <laughs> in the Chiang region. What about that? Ladies and gentlemen, this has been The Fix. If you did like the show, please like, share, subscribe. Have it tattooed on your floppy dog. Tell people about it. And until we see you next time, right here on the Supernatural Strength Channel, take it easy, peeps. Iron Dick. <laughs>